0: You are listening to The Catholic Wire. In general sacramental grace sanctifying grace I'm joined again by Father Zepeda Father Saunders welcome to the program
1: thank you, thank you. glad to be here
0: and uh, let's go right into the questions question number 596 which are the sacraments that increase sanctifying grace in our soul
2: the sacraments that increase sanctifying grace in our souls are confirmation holy eucharist extreme unction holy orders and matrimony And they are called sacraments of the living.
0: What do we mean by sacraments of the dead and sacraments of the living?
2: By the sacraments of the dead, we mean those sacraments
1: that may lawfully be received while the soul is in the state of mortal sin. By the sacraments of the living, we mean those sacraments that can be lawfully received only while the soul is in the state of grace, that is, free from mortal sin. Living and dead do not refer here to the persons, but to the condition of the souls. For none of the sacraments can be given to a dead person.
0: Why are Confirmation, Holy Eucharist, Extreme Unction, Holy Orders, and Matrimony called Sacraments of the Living?
2: They are called Sacraments of the Living because those who receive them worthily are already living the life of grace.
0: What sin does he commit who receives the Sacraments of the Living in mortal sin?
1: He commits the sin of sacrilege, which is a great sin, because it is the
2: abuse of a sacred thing.
0: In what other way, besides the unworthy reception of the sacraments, may persons commit sacrilege?
2: Besides the unworthy reception of the sacraments, persons may commit sacrilege by the abuse of a sacred person, place, or thing, for example, by willfully wounding a person consecrated to God, by robbing or destroying a church, by using the sacred vessels of the altar for unlawful purposes, etc.
0: Besides sanctifying grace, do the sacraments give any other grace?
1: Yes, besides sanctifying grace, the sacraments give another grace called sacramental grace.
0: What is sacramental grace?
2: Sacramental grace is a special help which God gives to attain the end for which he instituted the sacrament.
0: Is the sacramental grace independent of the sanctifying grace given in the sacraments?
2: Sacramental grace is not independent of
1: the sanctifying grace, for it is the sanctifying grace that gives us a certain right to special helps called sacramental grace in each sacrament, as often as we have to fulfill the end of the sacrament or attempt it against it.
0: Give an example of how the sacramental grace aids us, for instance, in confirmation and penance.
2: The end of confirmation is to strengthen us in our faith. When we are tempted to deny our religion by word or deed, the sacramental grace of confirmation is given to us and helps us to cling to our faith and firmly profess it. The end of penance is to destroy actual sin. When we are tempted to sin, the sacramental grace of penance is given to us and helps us to overcome the temptation and persevere in a state of grace. The sacramental grace in each of the other sacraments is given in the same manner and aids us in attaining the end for which each sacrament was instituted and for which we receive it.
0: So fathers, can you help us understand these questions better?
2: Yes, just a first comment before we
1: jump into any of the other commentary, the word end, you're going to see this, hear this a lot when we're reading the answers in in the uh, catechisms or if you read any old catechism. You can see the word end. For example, uh, it referred there to the end of penance. The end of penance is to destroy actual sin. Now, most people are going to be pretty confused by that because they're going to go, so what? Penance stops when sin's destroyed, then there's no more penance? Like, what are we talking about here? So, but in, in this setting, the word end means goal. So, the goal of penance is to destroy actual actual sin, or the, the achievement of penance is to destroy actual sin. The thing that it sets out to accomplish So that's what they mean when they mean end it's like the place you're heading to the place you're
2: going to so
0: oh that makes that much clearer (laughs)
2: yes (laughs) Uh, to summarize uh, really quickly the first couple questions basically you know this is common for all catechisms sacraments are divided by the sacraments they they're called the sacraments of the living and the sacraments of the dead and that is that makes reference to our life in to the life in the soul the life of grace So the sacraments of the living are basically those that, in order to receive them, you have to have sanctifying grace in your soul. Otherwise, you would be committing a sin. And those sacraments would be, for example, Confirmation, Holy Eucharist, Extreme Unction, Holy Orders, Matrimony. Those are sacraments that, in a certain way, perfect your soul. They, They add to the sanctifying grace that you have in your soul. And they require, out of the reverence of that grace that you're receiving, they require, of course, that you are in the state of grace. And the sacraments of the dead are called, uh, are so called because those sacraments, you would receive them when you don't have sanctifying grace. Those are the ones that can restore you to the life of grace, and that would be obviously baptism and penance. So that's where that distinction comes from, and it helps us to understand what, what is the purpose also of each sacrament.
0: So, Father, um, if I may, I have a question about the sacraments of the living. Um, sure. So you must be in the state of grace to lawfully receive them. Can you receive them validly if you're in the state of sin?
2: All of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, but it's if you receive them in the state of mortal sin, you receive neither sanctifying grace nor sacramental grace, correct?
2: I, 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 I think,
1: think it depends on the sacraments. So some sacraments... Um, they give the character to the soul mm-hmm. and they can, what we say, these word in English is to revive the sacrament can revive. So for example, if a person received confirmation when they're in a state of mortal sin, uh, at that time, they wouldn't receive any grace. They would receive no increase of sanctifying grace. They're not disposed. They're not in a place. They don't have a life. So they can't, they can't increase in life. And also they're not capable of receiving, you know, um, uh, of receiving perhaps some of those, those other graces, but that sacrament can only be received once. So once that person does come into the state of sanctifying grace and does re- reach a point of worthiness, then God's going to bless them with those those graces because it can only be received once, like marriage, right? It's not mm-hmm. if a person was in the state um, marriage, so.
2: So it's like you receive it. you receive the sacrament, but you don't receive the effects of the sacrament until you are get well disposed. But also, there is the fact of what they mentioned here in the catechism that you would be committing. A very serious sin on account of the you know disrespect that you're doing on the sacrament and the injury that you're doing really Mm -hmm. to the to the sacredness of the sacrament
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so
1: and this will come up i think in the next set of questions as well maybe but the sacraments produce their effects as long as there's no obstacle it's kind of like pouring water into a glass if you flip the glass upside down then the water's not going to go inside you know so if if we put in the sacrament will always have its effect but if we put something in its way in this case, a bad will, then we can't get that grace.
0: So, mm-hmm. so just to confirm, then, if somebody does receive marriage or confirmation in the state of mortal sin, but they later confess their sins and return to the state of grace, then they do receive the sacramental graces that that they would get from that from those sacraments.
1: Yes. All right. Uh, one, actually, just sorry. <laughs> one, one little other comment there, and this will come later in the section on on. Uh, extramunction because extramunction kind of um, steps on both sides of the line when it comes to a sacrament of the living and the dead because there's times when a person is unconscious in a state of serious sin, but they can still be given that sacrament of extramunction, it can still have its effects. But that'll come up more particularly in the in the, the section on, on extramunction, I think. Okay. All right,
0: well I'll continue with the next section then. Number six oh five. Do the sacraments always give grace?
2: The sacraments always give grace if we receive them with the right dispositions.
0: What do we mean by the right dispositions for the reception of the sacraments?
1: By the right dispositions for the reception of the sacraments, we mean the proper motives and the fulfillment of all conditions required by God and the Church for the worthy reception of the
2: sacraments.
0: Give an example of the right dispositions for penance and for the Holy Eucharist.
2: The right dispositions for penance are first... To confess all our mortal sins as we know them. Second, to be sorry for them. And third, to have the determination never to commit them or others again. The right dispositions for the Holy Eucharist are, first, to know what the Holy Eucharist is. Second, to be in a state of grace. And third, except in special cases of sickness, to be fasting for three hours before Holy Communion.
0: Can we receive the sacraments more than once?
2: We can receive the sacraments more than once, except baptism, confirmation, and holy orders.
0: Why can we not receive baptism, confirmation, and holy orders more than once?
2: We cannot receive baptism, confirmation, and holy orders more than once because they imprint a character in the soul.
0: What is the character which these sacraments imprint in the soul?
2: The character which these sacraments imprint in the soul is a spiritual mark which remains forever.
0: Does this character remain in the soul even after death?
2: This character remains in the soul even after death for the honor and glory of those who are saved and for the shame and punishment of those who are lost.
0: Can the sacraments be given conditionally?
2: The sacraments can be given conditionally as often as we
1: doubt whether they were properly given before or whether they can be validly given now.
0: What do we mean by giving a sacrament conditionally?
2: By giving a sacrament conditionally, we mean that the person administering the sacrament intends to give it only in case it has not been given already, or in case the person has the right dispositions for receiving it, though the dispositions cannot be discovered.
0: Give an example of how a sacrament is given conditionally.
1: In giving baptism, for example, conditionally, the priest, instead of saying absolutely, as he does in ordinary baptism, I baptize thee, says, if you are not already baptized, I baptize thee, etc., thus stating the condition on which he intends to administer the sacrament.
0: Which of the sacraments are most frequently given conditionally?
2: The sacraments most frequently given conditionally are baptism, penance, and extreme unction, because in some cases it is difficult to ascertain whether these sacraments have been given before or whether they have been validly given or whether the person about to receive them has the right dispositions for them.
0: Name some of the more common circumstances in which a priest is obliged to administer the sacraments conditionally. Some of the
2: more
1: common circumstances in which a priest is obliged to administer the sacraments conditionally are when he receives converts into the Church and is not certain of their previous baptism, he must baptize them conditionally. When he is called, as in the cases of accident or sudden illness, and doubts whether a person is alive or dead, Or whether he should be given the sacraments, he must give absolution and administer extra munction conditionally.
0: What is the use and effect of giving the sacraments conditionally?
2: The use of giving the sacraments conditionally is that there may be no irreverence to the sacraments in giving them to persons incapable or unworthy of receiving them, and yet that no one who is capable or worthy may be deprived of them. The effect is to supply the sacrament where it, it is needed or can be given and to withhold it where it is not needed or cannot be given.
0: What is the difference between the powers of a bishop or a priest with regard to the administration of the sacraments?
1: The difference between these powers is that the bishop can give all the sacraments, while a priest cannot give confirmation or holy orders.
0: Can a a person receive all the sacraments?
2: A person cannot, as a rule, receive all the sacraments. For a woman cannot receive holy orders, and the man who receives priesthood is forbidden to receive the sacrament of matrimony.
0: All right, fathers, can you explain these questions for us?
2: I guess the the, the dispositions for the sacrament, I think, are very important. Uh, you, you need to have certain dispositions in order to receive the sacrament validly. And those are you, we will cover those in detail for each one of the sacraments. But that is important in regards to the fact that if you don't have the right dispositions for some of them, you would be receiving, well, for most of them, really, you would be receiving the sacrament in a state of, uh, you would be commi- committing a sacrilege. Say, for example, if you went were to go to Holy Communion and you have mortal sin in your soul and you haven't gone to confession, then you would be committing a sacrilege. That would be a horrible sin. So you want to avoid that as much as possible. And if you are just, if you have just become Catholic or you are looking into the Catholic faith, before you start receiving the sacraments at all, You have to actually study that and, you know, take advice with the priest, you know, receive catechism from a priest and learn how you're supposed to be disposed for all the sacraments. For most Catholics, this is common knowledge, but there is something that I think Catholics often overlook and is the fact that not only do you have to have the right dispositions to receive the sacrament, you may receive a lot more graces from the sacraments if you have even better dispositions. Uh, more intense dispositions, you could say. Give an example of this. You may go to confession and have the necessary dispositions. You know you are sorry for your sins. You confess them all as as best as you know them, and yes, you have the determination never to sin again. So you have the necessary dispositions. You go to confession. You receive the grace. But if you have a more intense sorrow for your sins, and this is something we can always grow in you, is something we can actually foster the more intense the sorrow for your sins, the more intense your, your purpose of amendment, the more grace that you will receive, uh, the, more, uh, of, the more increase of sanctifying grace that you can receive and the more that your sins will be remitted also in the pain, in the, in the punishment that you have uh, due for them. So I'm, I'm not sure if I'm explaining myself correctly, but it, I think it's very, very important for Catholics not just to know the basics and, you know, do what's necessary, but always try to improve the dispositions that you have to receive the sacraments. give you another example. Uh, The Holy Eucharist. You know, you can go to receive the Holy Eucharist, and yes, you're in the state of grace, and you know what the Holy Eucharist is, and you have fasted. But before receiving the Holy Eucharist, you have been making acts of faith, hope, and charity. You have been fostering love in your soul. You're trying to go in there as devoutly as possible. Then the grace that you receive is going to be a lot greater, than if you hadn't worked in actually disposing your soul more in a positive way, I think that's very very important. That is something we really need to to emphasize.
0: So just to um, make make clear, then we talked earlier in the last episode about how uh, the dispositions of the person administering the sacrament doesn't affect the effectiveness of the sacrament, the the grace of the sacrament comes of itself, but the dispositions of the person receiving it um, can affect how much grace is received.
2: The dispositions are necessary. You have to have dispositions to receive the the, the grace as, as is needed. I think what brother is saying there it makes sense that
1: you know there's there's a minimum disposition you need to receive mm-hmm. the sacrament, to receive the grace. And then father's just saying that the, the more intense those good dispositions are the more grace you receive.
2: So I think yeah. Yeah. So for example, let's say that you know you need you need to have dispositions to go to the sacrament of penance, and let's say that you have only the basic dispositions to receive the sacrament of penance. Mm -hmm. When you receive that sacrament, you will receive sanctifying grace, Mm -hmm. and you will receive maybe uh, an increase in sanctifying grace depending on your dispositions, and also the punishment due to your sins will be forgiven in as much as you have as as your dispositions are given. But if you approach the sacrament of penance and you have more than the usual necessary dispositions, you have actually a very intense sorrow and a very intense purpose of amendment, then your increase of sanctifying grace is going to be a lot higher. And also the remission of of the punishment due to your sins is also going to be a lot greater because you have a better disposition to receive the sacrament. So you always receive, there are certain graces that you will receive as long as you're properly disposed, but the increase of sanctifying grace and the remission of your sins or of the punishment due to your sins is going to differ according to the intensity or the quality, we could say, of your dispositions.
0: That makes sense. So, uh, can you tell me anything about um, the rest of these questions?
1: Uh, Conditional... Administration, you know, this is something that really people don't have to worry about. This is something that's in the priest realm, sort of, but largely it's good for people to be aware of, of course. Uh, but the priest has to make sure that the sacraments, the proper reverence is being done to the sacraments and that they're not just being administered willy-nilly, you know. And so that's the really the question of conditional um uh, administration of the sacraments doesn't come into most people's lives. It might when the person's a convert, and this is sometimes where people might get a bit confused, you know, when, when they see someone convert from another religion or whatever the case may be, the priest has to look into it and see, was this person baptized? And if they were, were they baptized validly? Because anybody can baptize validly. Even an atheist is capable of validly baptizing if they do it correctly. And so the priest has to investigate each and every one and see, um, you know, given the circumstances, if the where their background is coming from, the priest usually has to investigate and see was this done validly. If it was done validly, then you never administer baptism twice. But if it was questionable, uh, then you would you would administer again conditionally. So if you are not baptized, I baptize you. But that's something that's in the priest realm. You know, if a person has to baptize in an emergency, baptize someone. This is not something they should worry about. It's Just do the baptism how they how they've learned, in the case of emergency baptism.
2: Yeah, so. and you know I guess the interest there for for uh, for people would be to see just the, the the mindset of the church in regards to the reverence that is given to the sacraments, and just how how important it is to be that to, to the fact that the sacrament needs to be done in a certain way to be valid. You know, the church wants to make sure that the sacraments are valid and that they're they're done in the proper way. And they are to be revered in such a way that you cannot just go around giving the sacraments without any concern. You know, if you're a priest and, and someone, for example, has already received baptism, you're not just going to go on and, and, and give baptism just in case. It's something sacred. It's something holy. It's something divine. So you don't want to treat it just like anything else. You have to actually have a very special care on it something that I want to mention about uh, or comment on would be the the concept of the character, the character that we receive with certain sacraments. This is also a beautiful concept. You know, the sacrament of baptism, confirmation, holy orders, it is said that they imprint character in the soul. And basically what that means is that your soul is changed forever. There is something, we could call it a mark, or something that is put into your soul, a quality that is given to your soul, that is never going to be taken away. You, Even if you go to hell, you will go to hell with that mark, with that change done in your soul. And that's a very, very beautiful thing. Uh, you know, when you receive baptism, you become a child of God. When you receive confirmation, you become a soldier of Christ. When you receive holy orders, you become a minister of Christ. And that is something that is going to be there for all eternity. It's it's something that is amazing to think that God instituted a rite that is able to do something that is going to last forever in your soul. And it also kind of brings brings to mind the idea of uh, how great the sacraments are and how relevant they are for our salvation. You know, uh, going back to to the fact of sanctifying grace and, and even the degree of glory that we're going to have in heaven, uh, that is something, as they say here in the Catechism, those marks are going to be a greater glory for you if you go to heaven. And uh, conversely, if you go to hell, there's going to be a horrible torture to know that you were a child of God or you were a soldier of Christ or, God forbid, you were a priest or a minister of Christ and you are there. So mm-hmm. that's that's a very, I think that's a very uh, interesting and beautiful uh, concept that we see here in the catechism.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's something else um, a little different, but I think, suitable to comment on here because this is a practical point sometimes is what's called the supplying of ceremonies so for example suppose a a catholic doctor or a mother baptizes a, a newborn because they're not sure if the child will survive and they're well well versed in their faith and and every new new wife new mother should know how to perform an emergency baptism hopefully they never have to do that but it's something they should look at and know how to do and maybe ask the priest about how to do so that they're aware because it does happen. I think every priest has had cases where an infant's been baptized in the hospital because it wasn't sure whether they would make it or not. That happens sometimes. So when that does happen, you know, the mother just performs the baptism, but what about all those other ceremonies that go with it? The anointing with oil, the, the other prayers. Well, those things are what we've called supplied. So the priest actually does the ceremony surrounding baptism, although he doesn't actually pour the water and do the baptism because those prayers have a value and an importance. They have a value in themselves, you know, as those right as a right of the church, and also it's an important function there as well. So that's something that should be done in the case of an infant, uh, or even in the case of an adult who was baptized in in an unusual way or not in the normal way. That those other ceremonies are added in later, and that's called supplying ceremonies. That usually applies to the sacrament of baptism.
2: That would be all the comments I have for this, brother.
0: All right, then. Well, we'll, until then, we'll wrap up for this week. Uh, Thank you for joining us once again for What Every Catholic Should Know. Uh, And thank you, fathers, for joining us. Thank you. For the greater glory of God, I'm your host, Brother Alexius. And we'll see you next week on What Every Catholic Should Know.
2: be all the comments i have for this brother
0: all right then well we'll until then we'll wrap up for this week uh thank you for joining us once again for what every catholic should know uh, and thank you fathers for joining us thank you for the greater glory of god i'm your host brother alexius and we'll see you next week on what every catholic should know
2: thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.